This is the Intego Mac Podcast. The voice of Mac security. For Thursday, December 8, 2022. This week's Indigo Mac Podcast security headlines include Email scams just won't die. And we've got another example of how this malicious ploy is constantly evolving. Apple's Find My application isn't always 100% accurate. And a small number of Find My results have led to chilling outcomes. Well, the people ask for the right to repair, and the first batches of Apple's self-service repair kits are being received in parts of Europe. How's that working out? A leaked Samsung security certificate has been used to sign Android malware for years. What would Apple do under similar circumstances? Now, here are the hosts of the Intego Mac podcast, veteran Mac journalist Kirk McElhern and Intego's chief security analyst, Josh Long. Good morning, Josh. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Kirk? I'm doing really well. Listen, I just got an email from Shoppers Drug Mart offering me a $500 Shoppers Drug Mart gift card. If I answer a survey, I can win. And you know what? I've been getting these emails like a half a dozen a day, rewards and surveys. And they're big brands here like Costco and they're Walmart and Dick's Sporting Goods, which I don't really know about. What's going on with this scam? Well, this is a really common thing. Typically, scammers like to use brands that you'll recognize. So that you probably don't have Dick's Sporting Goods in the UK. So <laughs> that might be why you're not being targeted with those particular scams. But they try to kind of play off of people's eagerness to get free stuff, right? It's kind of kind of makes sense. A lot of people at this time of year are are kind of strapped for cash. They've been spending a lot of money on holiday gifts and so forth. And so hey, that would be really cool if I got a Yeti cooler or a gift card from somebody, maybe even a, a Dutch oven or a, a tool chest or something. These are all things that are commonly used to entice people and click on links. And then of course the problem is the once you open the email and you, if you do click on that link, then you might be asked to fill out a survey. They might ask for your credit card information in order to cover the cost of shipping for your prize. And of course, well, you're actually giving your credit card then to the bad guys. So this is something that you should be aware of. Even if they're not asking for your credit card information, they may be asking for personal information. They may ask for your, your home address, you know, where they can supposedly ship something to you. They may ask for your phone number, your email address, and this might all really be done just to collect additional information about you that they can then sell to, you know, other marketers and on the dark web or or whatever. So basically just watch out for this. If you do see something like this, if it seems too good to be true, they're just going to give you something free for nothing. It's probably a scam. OK, I'm brave and I clicked on the link in this particular one. And it takes me to a news website, and it's showing me all sorts of sports stories. I've never heard of this news website. I won't mention the name, but it's not asking me for anything. Is it just a way to get people onto a news website? Or did somehow it redirect after I clicked the link 
uh, which was not the link of the news website, because I'm on a Mac? Could there be, I mean, there are all sorts of possibilities, aren't there? Yeah, that is possible. That this something that we've seen before is that if a website is specifically designed, for example, to deliver Windows malware, if they don't have some Mac malware that they're trying to serve you, then if you happen to browse to that page and it appears that you're using a Mac browser or an iPhone browser, then they might redirect you to something else. And so maybe they're getting some kind of affiliate payout for redirecting traffic to some other website. There's a number of other things that they that could be going on there. Maybe it's not a legitimate sports news website and maybe there are, you know, some malicious things somewhere embedded in that page. So uh, it, it's always best to just avoid clicking on these links. You know, Kirk is uh, Kirk's a little crazy sometimes. <laughs> Well, I just tried another one with a Costco $100, no, sorry, Target $100 gift card. And I first have to prove that I'm human. So this is Google's recapture. So I'm clicking all the crosswalks. Next. And now it says tractors. There's no tractors in this pictures. Kindly click here to visit product. Uh-huh. And now it's taking me, cannot connect to the server because it's trying to connect to 127.0.0.1, which kind of suggests that it's looking for malware, right? That's really weird. 127.0.0.1 is called local host. It's an address you use to root information on your computer. Right. This is not a, a public IP address. Nobody can connect to your computer at that IP address. And it's sort of... Um a nickname for your own computer, regardless of what computer you're using. So yeah, that's really bizarre. That almost does sound like either they didn't quite finish setting up this website properly to, or, or, or maybe like you say, it's, I guess it's possible that it's trying to talk to malware that's on the system already. One possibility is that on a Windows PC, there would be a drive-by download and that going to that address might activate it. Anyway, we don't know. Don't click the links like I did. You might end up doing something dumb. Any of these things, don't give them a credit card number. Don't agree to to, to get a free anything. Just ignore them. You're going to see a lot of them. I'm getting four or five a day. My email trash empties every week. And before the show, I went back and I just entered reward because they all have reward either in the, the subject or in the text. And there were about 30 of them. So ignore them. We have a couple of things to talk about Find My. Now, the Find My app, as we've mentioned many times, it was initially created so you could find a lost or stolen iPhone, and then it was extended to find people, and then it was extended to find AirTags. Find My is kind of interesting because let's say someone steals your iPhone, you can follow where it is. It uses Apple's big network of iOS devices, and if it's next to an, another iOS device, it'll give you a pretty precise location. But if it's not, it's going to give you a more approximate location. And, well, it turns out that someone had their phone stolen and Denver police led a SWAT raid on an elderly lady's home after Find My falsely pinged her home as a location of a stolen iPhone. Now, basically, let's imagine there are four iPhones in houses around her right? The stolen phone is in one of them, but it's not sure exactly which one. Find My doesn't always give a precise location. Sometimes it'll say it's in this area. And well, the police broke into this woman's house and kind of trashed a lot of stuff. And they used a battering ram to destroy her garage door and door frame. And they destroyed property in her home, including her collectible dolls. 
This is really strange. <laughs> because normally what would happen in this kind of a situation, you could imagine if, you know, they looked up who lived there and it was a 77-year-old woman, they might want to just knock on the door and ask a few questions before they just decided to bust down the door. <laughs> so I'm not really sure what the logic there was, but uh, but this is something that can happen and something that people should be aware of, especially if you work in law enforcement, you definitely should not be just, you know, bashing down a door just because find my shows something at a particular location. Yeah. But what are all the SWAT teams going to do? They're not going to just sit around like firemen in a firehouse. They have to keep, you know, they have to keep their anger up, don't they? I'm not sure that busting down the door of a 77 year old woman is uh, the best thing for a SWAT team to do. Well, the problem is that they probably didn't know it was a 77 year old <laughs> woman. As you said, they should have found right, out. Right, right. This is something that's pretty easy to look up, right? I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know how this could have happened. Okay, so before the show, you told us a story about a friend of yours and something similar that happened. Yeah, this was a bit of a different situation. Nobody actually bashed down the door, but a friend of mine... Their daughter came home from school, and shortly after that, a police officer knocked on the door. The police officer asked the the parent, it looks like there's an iPhone that doesn't belong to you that's at your address. And so my friend asked her daughter, hey, do you know anything about this? And the daughter said, oh, yeah, my friend asked me to hold on to his phone for him. Apparently what happened was this friend had given his phone to her and that she decided that they they had made some quick verbal agreement that they were going to meet up later and that he was going to get the phone back from her and they you know he never showed up and so she just took the phone home with her thinking that she would give it to him tomorrow and this boy who had given her the phone talked to his dad. The dad said, where's your phone? And he said, I don't remember. I don't know what I did with it. And so the dad called a police officer friend. The police officer went over to this person's house and and they found exactly what house it was in because of Find My. But anyway, it all turned out okay. The phone was returned and all that kind of stuff it worked out okay. And they didn't bring a SWAT team to break down the door, which they could have done. Yeah, well, thank goodness, right? I mean, that would have been a crazy thing to do for for such a simple thing. It was clearly just a misunderstanding. And so that could very well have been the type of situation here. So, Okay, so more about Find My is AirTags. And Ars Technica has an article, Stalkers, Chilling Use of AirTags Spurs Class Action Suit Against Apple. Now, we've been talking about AirTags for a year and a half since they were first released. There have been a minimum of 150 police cases documenting stalkers using air tags. Last week, we mentioned a woman who found that a date had left his AirPods in her bag because the AirPods can also be found by Find My and they don't give an alert like the air tags will after a certain amount of time. I mean, air tags are useful and, and we've shown this and I'll link to a couple of articles on the Indigo Max security blog. But there is always room for abuse. And where do you draw the line? You can't say, well, you can't use AirTags because it can be abused. Anyone can go on to probably Amazon and buy a GPS tracker that will do pretty much the same thing. It might cost a little bit more than a $25 AirTag, but it certainly 
capable of doing the same sort of thing. So I understand the the purpose of this lawsuit. At the same time, Apple has been doing a lot of things to make these devices more stalker proof, right? And they were originally kind of touted as as stalker proof from the, from the beginning. And it, well, it turned out that Apple hadn't really thought through a lot of scenarios that um, should have been a little bit more obvious. But Apple has, to their credit, been making improvements. Yes, Apple's done things like reducing the amount of time before you get alerts. Although uh, the, the weird thing is once I was in the car with my partner and I got an alert that I was being followed by an AirTag, which was on her keys, yet we'd been together so many times that it didn't make sense. So it is kind of confusing the way it works. But you know, there's good and bad and everything. Speaking of good, there is a new feature in the latest beta of macOS Ventura. So up until now, you could only ping an AirTag from an iPhone or an iPad. And now in macOS Ventura, you can do this. That's the AirTag on my house keys that I can find with my Mac. Now, I'm more likely to be walking around with my iPhone than my Mac, but I, it kind of makes sense that the Mac can also do this. Yeah, this this is a good thing. I, I think the more that Apple can do to to increase the functionality of AirTags, as as long as that functionality doesn't aid stalkers, that's you know all the better. Um, so to date, you've been able to do this from the Find My app on iPhone and iPad. I'm not really sure why this hasn't been a thing um, with the Mac version of that app, but it's nice to know that Apple is allowing you to be able to do that now. Okay, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got some interesting news about some changes in Apple's App Store and a forthcoming Apple Music Karaoke. Protecting your online security and privacy has never been more important than it is today. Intego has been proudly protecting Mac users for over 25 years. And our latest Mac protection suite includes the tools you need to stay protected. Intego's Mac Premium Bundle X9 includes Virus Barrier, the world's best Mac anti-malware protection. Net Barrier, powerful inbound and outbound firewall security. Personal Backup, to keep your important files safe from ransomware. And much more to help protect, secure, and organize your Mac. Best of all, it's compatible with macOS Ventura and the latest Apple Silicon Macs. Download the free trial of Mac Premium Bundle X9 from Intego.com today. When you're ready to buy, Intego Mac Podcast listeners can get a special discount by using the link in this episode's show notes at podcast.intego.com. That's podcast.intego.com. And click on this episode to find the special discount link exclusively for Intego Mac Podcast listeners. Intego, world-class protection and utility software for Mac users. Made by the Mac security experts. I've always felt that Apple's App Store pricing made sense, that it started at 99 cents in the U.S., and then you could go to 199 and 299 and maybe 499 and $9.99. And you had a number of price points that were logical. Apple has introduced, I believe, 700 new price points. Starting at 29 cents, and you can go in steps of 10 cents between 29 cents and 9.99. You can go from 49. I, I don't even understand the the logic of the chart that they're showing here, but it can start at 29 cents, and it can go all the way up to 9,999 dollars and 99 cents. Now, one of the problems with Apple's App Store is that you have to have 
price points that work in every country. When a developer puts an app on the App Store, they choose a specific price point, and that translates not to an exact conversion in other countries, but to a fixed price point in the other countries. So 99 cents in the US is 79 pence in the UK. Actually, that might have gone up to 99 because the pound's so weak. But there is that parity. It, you'll never have 99 cents in the US being 82 euro cents in a country. There's always these psychological pricings that end with nine. But now we're going to have a total of 900 price points. And I'm not sure exactly whether this is going to be a good or a bad thing. Well, okay. So the thing that immediately stood out to me on this is that the highest supported price now is basically $10,000, $9,999.99. So basically $10,000. And you know what? There's already scam apps that you can find on the App Store, both on macOS App Store as well as the iOS App Store and iPadOS. So now you're going to have a bunch of you know, scam apps that even if they don't last long in the store, all they need to do is scam some victims long enough to get a payout I mean, that's crazy. Back in 2008, there was an app called I Am Rich, and it was described as, quote, a work of art with no hidden function at all. It cost $999.99. Eight people bought the application, although one of them claimed to have done so accidentally and got refunded. And so the developer made $5,600 and Apple made $2,400. Apple's more than happy to make that 30% cut off these apps. Apple's pretty good about refunding if you have bought something accidentally, but I'd be more worried about something. I mean, $10,000 is a lot. It, it's not going to even be approved on a lot of people's credit cards. I'd be more worried about someone accidentally doing this and not noticing it and then noticing it on their credit card statement a month later and having to contest it. But I, I can't see what kind of app could cost $10,000. Can you? No, well, not immediately. Nothing comes to mind. But that's the other reason why this is really concerning, because what normal service is going to cost $10,000 that you're going to be doing on your iPhone? This is so mind-blowingly high of a number. I, I don't really understand what the purpose is here. Okay, let's speculate. Let's speculate. What could it be? For $10,000, maybe you buy Apple's forthcoming car OS. And it'll work with compatible cars. For $10,000, maybe you buy a home concert by certain musicians that are willing to sell a concert for $10,000, right? You're, you're buying a service as an in-app purchase, something like that. For $10,000, you know that there are these websites where you can buy celebrity videos for $50 or $100. You can get some minor celebrity to do a 60-second video? Well, maybe there's going to be $10,000 videos for some better-known celebrities. Who yeah, knows? Yeah, maybe. I'm just trying to figure out what could be 10000 because even $1,000, there aren't many. The, the most expensive app that I know is Apple's Logic Pro. I believe it's $200. I'm sure there are a couple of other video editing apps that might be three or $400, but it's rare these days to have any app that has pricing like that. And if you're selling an app that expensive, you don't want to be selling it through the App Store anyway and give Apple their 30% cut. Right. Well, that's a fair point, too. But I don't think that this is the best idea. The problem for me is that App Store prices will now start looking random. We're used to those 99 cent increments, right? Or 79p or whatever in your country. You've got increments that you're used to, and now it could be any price at all. On the other hand, having a 29 cent in-app purchase that could actually be a good thing for games instead of a 99 cent in-app purchase. So maybe on the, on the low end, that flexibility is more useful. 
Yeah, if developers are actually willing to, you know, only make say twenty cents. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, volume, right? Yeah, maybe. Uh maybe. It's 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 I'm sure that there are lots of scenarios on the lower end where it might make sense to have lower prices. It's just that high end that that just screams to me an opportunity for scammers. Okay, we talked some months ago about Apple's self-service repair where they send you 79 pounds of hardware with these devices to open an iPhone and put a screen on. They've launched it in the UK, Germany, and six other countries. And I mentioned to Josh before the show that I'm not going to try this unless you pay me to do it. And Josh isn't going to pay me, so we're not going to try it. Plenty of people have done this. You can find videos on YouTube to see how it works. I mean, this is 79 pounds of stuff. That's like 35 kilograms of stuff in these like reinforced cases. And you need a desk that can hold all this. And you need to be patient. And if you mess up, you'll destroy your iPhone. So it's an interesting idea because it does does allow Apple to offer a concession to the right to repair movement saying, well, you can repair your thing right now, but it's not something that I think anyone really wants to do. Right. So if you do need to have your iPhone repaired, if you bust your screen, it's probably better just to take it to the Apple store if you've got one nearby or an authorized repair shop rather than trying to do it yourself. Unless you really, really know what you're doing and you frequently work with sensitive, small electronics like this, it's not something you ever want to try on your own. Okay, Apple has announced that they will be releasing a new service called Apple Music Sing. It will be available later this month to Apple Music subscribers. I don't think karaoke is really popular in the U.S. I don't know how popular it is in Europe, but it's very popular in Asia, Japan, and China. They love karaoke. So what this does, instead of having those instrumental karaoke tracks, what it does is it takes, I'm assuming, any song on Apple Music that has lyrics and it removes the lyrics so you can sing along to it. Now, we're speculating here, but I'm going to link to an article on Mac Rumors, and someone in the comments points out this is using the second-generation neural engine in the A13 Plus chip. This would explain why it's available on iPhones back to the iPhone 11, but only on the very latest Apple TV model that doesn't have this chip. Now, if you think about it, this is a kind of magical AI thing that it's able to remove the vocals, and we'll have to test this, but keep the rest of the music. That's pretty neat, actually. Yeah, I, I don't know how popular karaoke is in the U.S. either. There, there was a, a karaoke feature in a Wii game uh, many years ago, Rock Band. I don't... I don't know. I, I I don't know if this is really much of a thing, but I mean, I guess if you really, really want to sing along to some track and there's no instrumental version of that track, I, I guess this might interest you. I have to admit, I've seen quite a number of movies where karaoke features, and they're often rom-coms where someone goes up to sing a song and stuff. So it does exist in the States. I, again, how popular it is, I don't know. Apparently in Japan, everyone does it. But I, I think it's I think it's clever because we're using AI to remove the vocals and maybe you just want to listen to the instrumental part and not sing along. You know, I think I figured it out. TikTokers. That's that's who this is gonna be really popular ah, with. Interesting yeah. idea. Okay, well, we'll find out. We'll try it out. I promise that when this goes live, we will have Josh sing along to, I don't know, I'll pick <laughs> one of my favorite songs by the gang of four and we'll have him sing to that. One last story, and this isn't an Apple story, but this is 
a way of illustrating a concept. Samsung's Android app signing key has leaked and is being used to sign malware. And Josh is going to explain all the complications involved in signing apps. Now, we know that for Apple, there are certificates. Developers have to do something called notarizing an app to get a certificate. When it runs on an Apple device, it verifies that it's from that developer. Apparently, though, Samsung, well, their key got leaked. So anyone who can install software on a Samsung phone could install malware. So this this is a bit of a complicated story, and we don't have a lot of time left on, on the show. But the short version of this is that developers have something called the signing key. And when they sign their app, it, it sort of proves that they are the developer of that app. And what happened was that Samsung's signing key leaked, and it, it turns out this actually happened in 2016, <laughs> and Samsung didn't really say much about it. And they said, oh, well, you know, nobody's really used this for anything all that bad. And well, it turns out that malware has been signed since 2016 when it leaked. If you are an Android user, this might be pretty concerning to you. Basically, what Samsung is saying is, well, you just keep your apps up to date. And, uh, you know, if you've got the latest software updates and you're not, you know, you don't really need to worry too much. Notably, they're not using this signing key for builds of the operating system. So, so if you buy a Samsung phone, they're not signing that version of Android that's on the phone with this key, but they are using this for apps. And so malicious apps could potentially sign themselves using this fake, well, not exactly fake, but compromised Samsung key. What would happen if this key leaked for Apple? Right. Now that's a more interesting question. So normally what happens is a developer has a key that they get through Apple's developer program right? They pay, what is it? A hundred dollars a year and they get to sign all their apps. And as long as they're not doing anything malicious, then Apple will allow them to continue to use that to sign whatever apps that they want. Now, if a developer's key leaks, or if that developer is found to be using it for malicious purposes, then Apple can simply revoke that key and immediately nobody can launch that or pretty much immediately. Nobody can launch that app anymore and problem solved. So it's really easy. Now, the more interesting question is, so what exactly would happen if Apple's key were to leak? That would be a much bigger problem. I I don't know what contingency plan Apple has in place. They probably have thought this through and have some sort of backup plan. I don't know. I don't know what Apple would do in that kind of situation, but that would be a much bigger deal than an individual developer because we actually do see developers get their certificates revoked all the time because all malware basically on the Mac signs with a developer key now because that's kind of required to get past some of the basic security controls that are built into macOS. So every bit of malware just about is is signed nowadays. But if Apple's key were to get compromised, that would be a really big deal. At a minimum, you would have to reinstall every single app on all your iOS devices. But would you have to reinstall the operating system because that's signed as well? 
again, I really hope that Apple has some sort of contingency in place and that we'll never, ever get to this point. You know, even if Apple's key gets stolen, I think that there would be ways around this. I think I'm just kind of trying to think worst case scenario. I think probably what Apple could do is they could wait to revoke that key until after enough users had upgraded to uh, the latest version of the operating system, right? So they could release an OS update, force, you know, push it out to as many devices as possible and give a period of time and let everybody know that if you don't upgrade your operating system by this date, then it may stop working or at least stop working correctly. And so maybe that's something that Apple could do. I hope we never, ever get into that kind of scenario because that would be a real big mess. This would kind of be the equivalent of a hurricane, earthquake, and a volcano at the same time. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> imagine imagine everything that could possibly go wrong happening all at once, and that would be about the situation you'd be in if you were Apple in that kind of scenario. Okay, that's enough for this week, Josh. Until next week, stay secure. All right, stay secure. Thanks for listening to the Intego Mac Podcast, the voice of Mac security, with your hosts, Kirk McElhern and Josh Long. To get every weekly episode, be sure to follow us in Apple Podcasts or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And if you can, leave a rating, a like, or a review. Links to topics and information mentioned in the podcast can be found in the show notes for the episode at podcast.intego.com. The Intego website is also where to find details on the full line of Intego security and utility software, intego.com.